Welcome back to another edition of the Unqualified Huddles. Uh, first of all, I just want to issue our apologies for getting this episode out late. There's just been some scheduling issues with ourselves. Uh, it's very poor form, but we will endeavour to do better going forward. Um, how are you boys doing? How's things? Sham, Shan? Life is good. Week 12's out, out of the way. Um, we had we were treated to an incredible game. Um, well, all week, all weekend. Um, I, I thought Sunday night's game was incredible between the Packers and the Rams. Just watching that live and doing a bit of a tweet along with our Twitterers. Yeah, and we, we had some great blowouts, but also so many close games. So many games decided by one score or less, and it's just classic NFL. Let's start talking about some of these exciting games. Let's start with that um, that Tampa Bay Colts game which we, we were very divided on, but it turned out to be an absolute snob, slobber knocker of a game. Um, I think for me, watching it back, reviewing it, uh, it seemed more than the, the Bucks winning this game, it seemed more like the Colts imploded a bit because they were in control going into the, the second half. And then Carson Wentz did its Carson Wentz thing. <laughs> um, what what you guys got? Well, Frank Wright came out and was defending his play calling, um, saying that he should have been passing... Earlier, I believe is is the term he used. Ridiculous! Um, it's ridiculous. He, yeah, he he's decided to fall on his sword. I think everyone, you this can be a first NFL game you're watching, and you're like, why don't they run number twenty eight more? Between <laughs> six minutes and uh, to go in the second quarter, and midway through, was it for even the fourth quarter? The fourth, yeah, he didn't yeah. get touched in the fourth quarter. Yes, and what happened when they started giving him the ball? They got back in the game. It's it's just absolutely like mind-boggling to me because this this seems to be a story that's happening every week. Not only is Jonathan Taylor probably your best player currently on, on the pitch, he is the best running back in the NFL right now. He's got the most running yards out of anyone. Um, the second place is still Derek Henry, which just shows what a talent that man is, seeing as he's not played for about five weeks. Um, but he, he they've got legitimately one of the best running backs in the NFL right now, and they're not using him. And I just don't really understand why. And in games that they have used him, they've absolutely like battered their opponents. So I, I, like this was confusing for me more than anything. Uh, I, I was really shocked. And, and we have to give due to their O line as well because that O line is constant. It's it's not just you know now and then explosive plays. Every single time you hand the ball off, you're getting positive yards. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm speechless. We've said it time and time again. I mean, uh, it had been 23 plays in a row where um, Jonathan Taylor didn't get a touch, the 23rd play being a Carson Wentz interception. And it just feels so wrong. Uh, uh, watching the Frank Wright press conference and video, and he was like, oh, yeah, the, the, there, were, there were a lot of RPOs and they were averaging what, seven yards of throw on the RPOs, which he said uh, was justifiable. There were run calls, but Carson decided to throw it, depending on the box. I don't believe in that. You might have averaged seven yards, but there could have been a Jonathan Taylor touchdown if you went with it. Um, and this feels for me like like we tweeted from our account. Frank Reich, Carson Wentz has that Philly stench there where Indy simply don't run the ball in key games in big moments when they have a lead. They just want to try and run up a score, maybe just passing the game. They don't play the clock very well. And that they, they deserve to lose just because of that, because they've done it before. I like the picture of the indie fan who had um, the cap on that said "run the damn ball" or just "run the damn ball," and that that legitimately is how I felt. 
especially when in that fourth quarter they basically got a touchdown just Jonathan Taylor running the ball when, we, uh, which tied the game can we just talk though about uh, where they are in playoff seeds because obviously this is the time of year now where playoffs matter teams are trying to get there they're two games behind the Titans in their division uh, they're currently at six and six a lot of teams in this AFC have got six or seven wins do we reckon this Colts team are going to make the playoffs as a wild card or even potentially beat the Titans out to win their division? They're, they're a good enough team, but for me, just keep them out of the playoffs, please. I can't... They're going to take a spot away from a team who can actually put together something. We, we've, uh, we've seen it time and time again. They shoot themselves in the foot. I don't want to see them waste the playoff spot in the AFC. As, as, as odd as that sounds, uh, you know... They had that game. They've had so many games, and yet they're not doing what they're good at. They don't deserve it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I see them winning the playoffs, and um, that that should be a certainty. Uh, sorry, getting into the playoffs, and that should be certainty. They'll be the Texans this week, but then they do play the Patriots and the Cardinals after, followed by the Raiders. That's a tough, that's a tough, that's a tough like, end of your season, though. That's a tough mm. run, where there's other teams as well that are vying for those spots, Patriots being one of them. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't disagree. I think they'll get to the playoffs potentially on the talent of what team that they've already got. I just think that they they need to start looking better in their games, especially big games like this one. Yeah, and they've got uh, two gimmies usually, right? In Texans and Jaguars, but out of the mm, five games they have left, none of us are uh, picking them for a Super Bowl appearance or even AFC Championship, right? No, no, no. I don't, I, I, I just, I don't trust them enough. But th- let's just talk about this box team quickly. While we're on it, um, Tom Brady has not looked his great usual self. He's thrown, I think it's six picks in the last four games. Yeah, they're, they're the relying on Leonard. Bit tired. They're relying on Leonard Fournette and is delivering all the goods. Playoff Lenny, baby. I mean, I'm going to hold are... my hands up. I'm going to hold my hands up. Uh, I picked the books to see more the Colts, uh, which seemed a no choice. And the, after this game, it made me f- question, are the books the superpower in the NFL? I think the NFC now runs through, we'll talk about Rams, Green Bay later on, but it runs through Cardinals or Green Bay uh, for me. I, and, I, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm not with that, that sold on the books now. No, th- this game, especially how how it went in the first part, part of it, it kind of, because the, the books didn't really get going until the second half and it was more, like I said, it's more Colts mistakes rather than Bucks playing well and they were just able to capitalise on them. And that's what Tom Brady does. That's what you get from a Tom Brady quarterback. He will capitalise on mistakes that you make. However, it doesn't give me confidence because like I talked about earlier on in the season about this Cardinals team can't start out slow because it gets better opposition than not going to get that. It's the same with mistakes. Against better opposition, like the other powerhouses in the in the NSC, you're not going to have those same mistakes that are going to help you get back into games. But let's, yeah, let's the, just Just move a quick on. observation so, on this though. The last three games, Leonard Fournette's been key for them. And he had 17 carries, of which zero were against the stacked box per next-gen stats. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's, that's crazy to me. That's crazy as well. They need to start They need to start like doing stuff. They need to, when you play coordinators in this game and you're coaching, you need to see what the other team's doing and react to it. And that just didn't happen for the Colts. And going on from that, let's talk about a team that do do this really well, which is the the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, it was an important game for both these teams in some regards. Uh, New England takes the win. They're on their sixth game uh, winning streak. 
and they're looking good for it now. I, I, I'm really rate this team. What are you guys thinking about it? I'm sad. I'm really disappointed that I have to watch the Patriots being really good again. But they're really good again. Um, I don't know how they do it. I could allege things that aren't true. But they're just too damn good. And Bill Belichick is just too damn good of a head coach. I don't know how Mac Jones is playing so well. Kendrick Bourne looks unstoppable, which is weird. But I also want to say the Titans aren't the same without Derrick Henry. Even though they had a five-game win streak, they just didn't look very good, right? Well, they didn't have AJ Brown either, or Julio Jones. So there is that. Yeah. This, ge- this game in particular was really weird for me, though, because the Titans managed to run the ball for like 270 yards with their, like, Deontay Foreman and Hilliard, um, which is, like, it, it, you think you run the ball 270 yards in a game, you're going to win that game? Um, but, but the final score wasn't even close, was it? Like, I, I'm pretty sure the Patriots, I'm just going to double-check my stats. <laughs> no, it was 26-13. It was, it was a blowout. It was a blowout, yeah. But they ran the ball for 260 yards. Like, what's going on with this Patriots defense? They're very opportunistic. Like, they're very good at like getting the ball out, taking turnovers, which is what they're like built around. But it's so surprising to me that you can run for that many yards and not win the game. But if your quarterback only throws for ninety-three yards and you don't score, well, they didn't even score in the second half. It's pretty bad. But you you got to like you got to throw for more than that. Ryan Tannehill but- has to take these games over, and is not. I get it. He didn't have his uh, receivers like Sean mentioned. But what about the defense? Uh, Titans are supposed to be an all-round team, right? They play complementary football. Everyone's, you know, does their job, and you have a solid team there. But where was the how- defense? Yeah, thirty-six points against the Patriots. Yeah, well, it's a thing to argue about. But I think one thing we also have to look at about this Titans team is something that I, I heard the other day: if they've played the most amount of players ever in the NFL, due to like injuries, getting people off injured reserves. They've had the most people on their rosters since, like, the NFL began, basically. Sounds uh, like a fantasy football team. <laughs> well, it, it, that, that just shows, though, you have to give the Titans some credit in some regards that they were in eight wins and this is what's been happening to them. Like, they, they do get injured a lot. They're on, like, their third left tackle or something like that. Mm. They, they've got a lot of injuries and they are playing through it. But I think now is where it's starting to show that they're not going to be able to manage without their starters, without their key players. And that, this uh, is a game that I proved that. Do we still prefer the Titans over the Colts? I do. I, I, this doesn't change that for me. Well, I prefer the Colts, but I don't think the Colts have it within them. So hence why I, I would trust the Titans more at this stage. But I think a healthy Titans team, I trust more. Um, it's just that it, like, if, the, if you get this shell of a Titans team that played against his Patriots, then no, I don't trust them. But on, on the Patriots note as well, they're obviously uh, in their division with the, the Bills. Have they have they took like took over the Bills? Mm, they... They're ahead of them in the standings right now. And if you're a Bills fan, you're kind of worried. But they've got a matchup coming up this yeah. uh, this week, which is going to be a tasty one Monday Night Football. But like, if you look at the Patriots, they've got the Bills, Colts, Bills again. That's yeah. where it's won and lost. The, this, these are the big games because obviously the, the, these... Uh, this uh, schedule against the Bills is going to be where the divisions won and lost, basically. Um, I'm saying right now, I'm predicting them to go in, in three on that run. Oh, in three. Oh, in three. Oh, I, I'm so this is going to be big predictions as well. I'm throwing it out there. I predict they're going to sweep the Bills. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I'm going a bit of a spoiler for our next podcast this week, but I'm going for the Patriots beating the Bills this week. So. 
Yeah. As well. Me too. But let's let's move on anyway. Let's talk about uh, another one of these fa- fabulous matchups this week. Uh, let's talk about that LA Rams Green Bay game. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm going in straight away. I, I'm I feel furious right now based on that game script. You're going to OBJ. You have Cooper Cup. You have Van Jefferson, <laughs> who you've disrespected, and you target Odell Beckham Jr. the most. Yeah. You just yeah. have to move just based on that. It was and it was a lot of predetermined throws by Matt Stafford and Sean McVay to try and go deep to OBJ. He was limping around with his back injury. He wasn't healthy. They didn't even really try and get Cooper Cup involved until late in the first half. Maybe the last drive he had a couple of catches of the first half. It was uh, it was a poor game plan. But Green Bay could do whatever they wanted on offense. Aaron Rodgers and AJ Dillon were commanding that offense really really well. Um, but that this Rams team. Three games in a row they've lost. They're not they're not fulfilling any prophecy that anyone had when they were forming up basically the next Philadelphia Eagles dream team. Well, team. This was one of my, I think this is one of my Super Bowl picks, thinking that they, they would make it to the Super Bowl. And the thing that concerns me about this Rams team right now is their, their offense is a bit dysfunctional. Uh, adding OBJ to the mix, as we said when he was traded to them, uh, it, it was sort of worked because obviously they needed to replace Robert Woods, not saying that OBJ is a replacement for Robert Woods, but they needed to get another receiver in. But they also, this defense, it just hasn't stepped up at all all year, it feels like. Like we're used to having the Eddie Rams having a dominant defense, but you look at the box score and Aaron Donald didn't didn't even create like pressures. Like he didn't get to uh, Aaron Rodgers once. Um, their, their defensive line was stonewalled by this Green Bay offensive line which are playing for injuries a lot of the like a lot of the starters are out yeah they had a lot of backups and it, it that surprises me like that shocks me because like this like i say this rams defense is meant to be one of the key parts of their team mm. but you know since daily left as he took all that magic away with him it seems that way okay well that rams d line was meant as you say meant to show up when they needed to we could say Ramsey you could always throw away from him and they did that pretty well but come on these D linemen should be making plays every damn time Aaron Donald Von Miller are meant to be your faces of the franchises now right now this season not none of them did anything Von Miller was on uh maybe got two pressures maybe on the final quarter but he was invisible all game long that trade for him is backfired it was uh, even at the time a Denver win I don't know. I don't know if you can say they've backfired. He, I, I, he's I think it's a current play to just. Well, he hasn't played well since he's been there, but I think it's always you can't always expect the traded like player to just straight away give you a boost, which is what they wanted from him. But sometimes it's hard to acclimatize. However, I, I don't want to give him a free pass at the same time. Like he needs to do better because well, he's he's only under contract for this year. Well, all their star players do. They have Ramsey, Donald, Miller, but you know it's a lot of big names at the, at the top of the depth chart. Yeah. But they're, they're not based on how that roster is constructed. They need to be a difference maker every single match, and and they've they've not been. Green Bay imposed their will, and it was it was kind of fun to see Green Bay back at you know doing what they do well. But and, and I think Sean McVay felt that pressure. He knew he had to keep up with with uh, the Packers, which you saw a really questionable uh, play call early on. He went for it on fourth down in the half and mm. gave uh, the Packers an easy field goal uh, at the end. But yeah, it's I, I think just 
the whole team. There, there's some bad juju going on there. But the Rams could uh, do with their draft picks. You know, they, they, they've they not got their second and third rounders now as part of that Avon Miller trade. They don't have the first for the, because of the Detroit trade for Matt Stafford. They've they've probably away, traded away too much, you know. And they, they their middle linebacker, Reader, he was getting picked on all game long. Well, one thing that I wanted to say is, is this this Green Bay team looks like it's alongside this Cardinals team is the team to beat in the uh, NFC. Obviously, Green Bay picked the Cardinals earlier on in the season and given them a head-to-head. Uh, this Green Bay team legitimately has a chance to go and uh, get the number one seed and potentially can go all the way to the Super Bowl. They haven't lost at home all year. Um, and it's hard to play at Lambeau. If you're not used to it, used to that cold, cold January weather, because that that gets cold in that stadium, um, and that's going to help them a lot, I think, when it comes to the playoffs. If they can get that number one seed, the fact that it goes through them, um, so potentially we're seeing one of the Super Bowl contenders right now. And if they play like they played against the Rams, they, they could go all the way. They could lift the number Lombardi. They've got two running backs they can lean on in in through December into January. Um, I did pick them at the start of the year to to win this whole thing. Uh, they, you know, they they did stall a bit, but they're back hot enough when it really matters. All right, let's let's quickly get on and uh, talk about some of these other games. Um, let's just go across to this Cincinnati team, which uh, it's seeding all expectations this year. Really are um, this beatdown of the Steelers was quite something. Um, this Steelers team just <laughs> oh my god. Oh, there are. Oh, I I just can't anymore. I can't. I can't be bothered to even like talk about them because they're just terrible. Offensively, they're awful. Um, and even even the defense aren't as dominant as what people are saying about. And that's what you know. That's what annoys me because people still hold this Steelers team in like regards. Like Mike Tomlin's a great guy, like great coach and stuff. But he he's benefited from having Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback. For a number of years, because Ben Roethlisberger has been one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Now Ben Roethlisberger isn't that. Ben Roethlisberger is potentially one of the bottom half quarterbacks. Yeah, but then Mike Tomlin's not coaching around that. There, there doesn't seem to be any change. There doesn't seem to be anything to try and help Roethlisberger out with his. You know, he, he can't throw the ball downfield anymore, which is part of the Steelers' offense. They've not changed anything. It doesn't feel like. No, but they are going. Game. They are going more dink and dunk. Shan, you, you've been watching this Steelers offense a lot more than I have. Uh, but the, they aren't trying to stretch the field, and that, I think, is a problem. Najee wasn't part of this game script at all. Uh, but I, I think Mike Tomlin has made the most of this team, and he's even said this press conference. Basically, these this Steelers locker room is not the Steelers locker room he kind of wants. It's not the same as the old ones he's had. Some of the players just don't get the Steeler way of playing football. Yeah, but is that a dinosaur speak there? Like, is he is he like a back in my day type of type of thing when things are? Uh, That's exactly what badly. it is. He's he just doesn't understand the whole TikToks and the whole things like that. Which yeah, but uh, their own players don't like it. When Cameron Haywood, one of your star players, said, "I'd rather uh, rip the speakers out," and former Steelers players speaking up against it, I think Claypool needs to watch it because he's not a star yet. No, but you've got to you've got to also take into account that the NFL is full of basically young men. Like these are all university students and all all people. They're only in their early twenties, 
And a lot of people at that age, they're not going to be as, you know, NFL players were 10, 15 years ago, where it was a bit more serious. Like you, you come in, you grind, you're, you just eat iron and, you know, especially like a Steelers <laughs> locker room where it was just, you, you just, you know, were beefed and you eat iron and you do all of that. It's a whole different generation. It's, that's not just seen, you know, at the Steelers. That's across the board. Like, look at the look at the Saints. They have the club every time that they win. They put on a club for like their celebration, and that's because of the, that's what the players want now. That that's that's what's going to get your players playing for you. That's what's going to inspire your players. And like, I, I don't hate music at, at trainings and stuff like that because that's what players are used to. They they mm-hmm. go to college and that's what they're getting at college, and they want to bring that to the NFL. Yes, it's it's probably more professional in the NFL because you're getting paid a lot of money to be a professional player. But you've also got to remember these are still just young guys. That you know, and a lot of them have been quite shielded. Like, yeah, it's it's the culture. Like they don't they're not used to the real world. Essentially, they're all superstars that they've gone from people kissing their ass at high school to get them to go to um, like their colleges and stuff like that to then. NFL scouts and and talents kissing their asses to get them to come to their NFL teams. A lot of them, whether through drafts or, or whatnot. Do you know what I mean? Like they are protected, yeah. and you've got, but, you've got to work around that. You can't but, just, you can't just say that's it now. You've got to be professional. You've got to wear like a tie, button up. You know, be Jack. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick found out with Brady. You can't treat players how you've always treated them. You need to adapt. Like I'm not saying that music's going to solve solve all the issues, no. or, or no. I, I I'm not even necessarily agreeing that they need music. I, I think that's neither here or there. But rein it in. It, give the player something. Take something. It's just a bit. Have have those conversations. It it ain't like I'm the coach. I'm you know this is this is my world here. Uh, well, Tomlin's not had a losing season in a decade and a half. Like this, I'm going to go with this quote of say, I'll formulate the practice approach, and I think that division of labor is appropriate. They're well, five, five, and one. They can yeah, still get in the playoffs. They they can, which is shocking, but I don't think they're going to because it's they're often... not going to they're not going to upset the Bengals, right? So no. they've won two impressive games in a row now. Well, they, they sweep them. Like you know, the Bengals have sweep them. So even even if they can get on a on a level with the Bengals, they they lose out in the the head to head. Do you guys so, think the Bengals are going to get in the playoffs come the end of the season? Because their next set of games against the Chargers, 49ers, Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs, and then Browns. That's a tough slate. I, I don't think so. What? I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to get to the playoffs. Like, I the Bengals? Don't, I, yeah. yeah I, you know, I'm not splotting in my words. That I don't see the Bengals making the playoffs. And the reason why is because they're still a relatively young key team with a relatively young coach. And I think these games are going to test them. They've got some tough opponents coming up, and I reckon that's going to that's going to test them. And the problem with the ASC right now is any team can get in, and a lot of these teams that Shamel's just named are teams that are also in the same position, fighting for that like wild card spot. So they all need to win. But you've got other teams that have the better experience of previously doing it that are going to have the better fighting chance, in my opinion, of doing that over this Bengals team that's still relatively young. And at the end of the day, it would be an upset because, you know, the Bengals are an exciting team. I'd rather watch them in the playoffs than some of these other teams that might get there. However, they they still got to be happy about what they've achieved this year. And going there's, forward, they can still build on that. There's about 13 teams in the AFC that are in the playoff picture. Only three teams have less than five wins. 
which is ridiculous. So I mean, yeah, it's it, tough. It, it's fully open. Anyone can get there. It's just I don't see. I see the inexperience of the Bengals being their downfall, not having like experienced coaches and stuff, which isn't which isn't really you know to say that that's a problem because at the end of the day, people need to get experience. It's just that this year might not happen for them. But then, like I said, they can build on that next year. They can build on the areas where they need to get better. Their offensive line, for example, they can add some pieces there, um, improve their defense, whatever they need to do. And then next year, they might have a better chance of making a run of things. I'm gonna say they do make the playoffs, though. Um, yeah, uh, for me, it's not even a question. They're getting they the playoffs. I think it is a question because I, I also like how the Raiders sometimes play. Sometimes how the Broncos are playing. It's just so difficult. There's going to be a lot of disappointed teams. Yeah, that's that's the thing. There's so many teams this year that potentially are going to get there. Like you say, the Chargers, the Raiders, the 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 Broncos, um, you know, the Colts, the Bengals, even the Browns, if they can start getting things together. Then you've got like the, the Patriots and the Bills in the in the East. There's so many teams vying for those three wildcard spots after those division leaders. Because I don't I don't think the Bengals are going to beat the Ravens to win the division. I don't see them winning their division. I can still see the Ravens winning at the end mm. of the year. Well head to head. Head to head. Like when these teams match up, it's hard to see the Bengals having the measure. They, they'll I... need they'll need Baltimore to falter. Yeah. Can I just give you some breaking news? Yeah. The players of the week have been announced. So Joe Mixon, oh. off, offensive player of the week. 165 right. yards, two touchdowns. Well, Leonard Fournette, <laughs> NFCs. Well, th- th- thanks, Sam. I was just going to talk about Mixon later on, but you know. Uh, well, let, on that note, thanks to let, let's just move. Sam, just tell us the other two. Come on. Let him, let him finish now. He started. I'm saying, yeah, Leonard Fournette, NFC offensive player of the week. Yeah. NFC defensive player of the week was Pat Satan. Yeah. NFC Defensive Player of the Week was Razul Douglas. And then, obviously, do we really care about special teamers? But I'll give you them. Dan Carlson, kicker of the Raiders, and Thomas Morstead, punter of the uh, yeah. Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, Morstead. He's uh, still repping well. Um, but on that note, we're going to do it on uh, Qualified Players of the Week. But as Shamil's just announced, our three Players of the Week for all three of us. <laughs> the whole <laughs> Yeah, they're 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 all they're all in these award groups. Um, I'm like, we'll just go for it quickly. Shan, who was yours going to be? It's a mind mixing. He had twenty eight carries, twenty of or so in the first half, uh, and he was a, a huge reason why the Bengals could manage that whole game. Yes, I put up forty one points, but mixing and the Bengals offense helped just demoralize the Steelers and force them into bad situations, which you know they. Big Ben welcomed with open arms. So for me, it's mixing, no this, doubt. It's it's a it's a boring one, but it's the right one. This is the first year I can genuinely say I think Mixon's been healthy for the year because he seems to get injured every single year. This seems to be the first mm. year that he's been consistently healthy and, and playing well. But anyway, moving forward, Sham, who's your pick? Well, mine was a player who I briefly touched on, but really haven't, is Razul Douglas um, of the Green Bay Packers, a cornerback. They picked him up. When he wasn't very good at Philadelphia, the last few years really, he's been hit hot and cold. He had five tackles, four passes defensed, which is huge. And a lot of them were against Cooper Cup. Um, but yeah, he, he was definitely one of two key players for the Packers in their win over the Rams. Mine was then also a uh, cornerback, Patrick Satane for the Denver Broncos. He really set the tone for that game. 
two picks, one a pick six. He had two pass deflectors as well, and also four tackles on the day. Um, he was also my pick for the defensive rookie of the year. I think there's only really Micah Parsons who is in the conversation of that award with him right now. Um, but Parsons seems to be a lot more ahead of him just due to As the fact a, he plays with the Cowboys. He has a star on his helmet. Yeah, he has a star on his helmet. Exactly what I was going to say. He's a yeah. Cowboy bias. Yeah. So well, he has a sacks as well. Sacks just count for something, don't they? Well, the NFL, a lot more. I think overall, I think Satan's had the better year compared for like for each other. But again, it's the, the Cowboys bias. But anyway, I don't want to offend our, our listeners too much if any of you are Cowboys fans. So let's just uh, finish the pod there before I offend anyone else. Uh, and I'll let Shamil take it away. Yeah, so thank you for listening to the Unqualified Huddle. We're now available on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Um, so give us that five-star review, review if you can. Follow us on Twitter at T-U-H underscore podcast and send in your questions there. Or email us on the Unqualified Huddle at Outlook.com. Thanks. Peace. Auf Wiedersehen. That was goodbye in German.